0: Welcome back to another episode of the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom, and then we're also with Chris Ballas, the biggest St. Peter's fan that I've ever met. He's also live from the the Riverwalk in San Antonio. Uh, Class there. of 92, Clayton. Class of 92. Uh, yeah, we were, we were rooting for St. Peter's back in Indy last weekend, uh, so much so that we were getting congratulated by some Kentucky fans, the ones that were actually – Nice enough to to not just file right out and shove past you. Uh, And Chris, of course, is class of 92. Not actually, but uh, what an unbelievable tournament so far. It's been fun, obviously, covering this Michigan team into the second weekend for a fifth straight tournament, sixth straight year uh, that there's been a tournament Michigan's been in. So it's been a long time since Michigan has been eliminated, uh, you know, with the likes of the Michigan states of the world and Wisconsin's of the world that are, Watching from their cribs, as Hunter Dickinson said, but um, this team's obviously seems like they're having a lot of fun. Chris, we'll just throw it to you first to just get your vibe from San Antonio, where as we're recording this, about six hours from tip. Uh, obviously, uh, f- up, people up here in the state can feel it. Uh, what are you feeling down there? Yeah, I feel a lot of sunshine, and yeah. the
1: first thing I get, first things I gotta do, Clay, is is explain this class of '92 thing, right? So yeah. I Went and bought the St. Peter's shirt. Anthony, because we were there, and uh, the, you know they have the four shirts or the shirts of the eight teams that were there, and they hadn't sold like more than two St. Peter's shirts. The guy told me when we went up there. Clay and I had a couple beers in, in us, you know, watching that second game. After we got, it was our work, it was yeah. St.
0: Patty's Day. I mean, what are well, we doing? St.
1: Patrick's Day, right? St. Peter's, St. Patrick's, close enough. And uh, there are 80% Kentucky fans there, man. And you should have seen them, Anthony. It was nuts. These people are crazy. So you couldn't help but root for St. Peter's. So I will go and get the shirt, and, uh, and I put it on. And some lady from Florida Gulf Coast, she goes, oh, congratulations, this nice older lady. And she goes, we know exactly how you feel, and we didn't want to let her down. So Clay's like, "Yeah, man, I feel so good from class of '92 here, St. Pete's, You know, of course, I'm, I'm, universe. I'm a Michigan grad. <laughs> but uh, so we had to play along for a little while. I was like, "Hey, you know, thank you so much, and you know, we're really happy. And of course, John Mahoney's son, John Mahoney, being a former Michigan assistant, played for Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, so um, I started talking about that a little bit. And uh, anyway, long story short, uh, we basically lied to a little old lady. So, but it is what it is and, and rooting for St. Peter's and uh, love the dude with the hair in this, in the little stash and, uh, and rooting for a nice uh, run for that. But yeah, but as far as Michigan goes, uh, you know, everybody talks about house money. And, and it's true, but this is a winnable game. I actually sat next to Eli Brooks' parents on the plane. It was crazy. No, I did not plan it. No, I'm not a stalker. I just happened to sit down, and they had their masks on. And uh, I've talked to James Brooks, Eli's dad, who was his coach many times over the years, at least a handful of times, and talked to him a lot during the recruiting process. And what a great family. His parents are incredible. So that first hour of the flight, you know, you're like, all of a sudden, you look up, and you're halfway there. And uh, But they know Villanova well. And uh, without giving away any secrets, you know, we, we feel solid about this matchup. And uh, uh, Villanova could have had Eli Brooks. I, they were that close. The campus was the difference. And I like Eli to have a big game tonight. I think Villanova is going to be too tough for them guys. Uh, they're just a, uh, just a really good basketball team, well-rounded. I think just a little bit better defensively than Michigan. But if Hunter Dickinson has a huge game and Michigan makes some shots, maybe we're, maybe we're, we're watching another game on Saturday.
0: Yeah. Anthony, how are you feeling from the, the uh, HQ up here and with me in the state of Michigan yeah I uh, I
2: manned the fort uh no pun intended uh, last week you guys went to Indianapolis and uh, I stayed back uh, took care of the, some spring football stuff uh football pro day but I think the vibe coming out of last weekend is is I will hesitate to say that they are playing with house money because Michigan as a program expects to be here. But you know to to come out of that regular season and, and that first game of the Big Ten tournament and have a 17 14 record, and I've said several times that team has been a product, like they are what their record says they were. And to get to the tournament and um, just kind of snap back to what that postseason pedigree has been, you know, it, it does kind of reshape what this season looks like. Um, you know it's impossible to to know what the ramifications are of it are so far because, there's going to be roster attrition. There'll be guys that need to make NBA decisions. Um, are they staying? Are they going? Things like that. But, you know, if you can find a way, and Villanova is going to be incredibly tough. I mean, they, they Jay right there's this Coach K love tour going on right now because he's on his way out the door. I think Jay Wright is the best be- uh, coach in college basketball. So they're going to be ready to go. Uh, you know, they have senior guards, just like Michigan has senior guards. It's going to be an experienced kind of matchup of teams with players that have both been in these big game situations. Um, I'm fascinated to see how it goes and to see whenever this run ends, whether it's Thursday night, whether it's Saturday night, whether it's next weekend in new Orleans, um, you know, how it shapes what this next group is, because I think what you have right now is a really nice hybrid of guys that are kind of putting a stamp on their legacies on the way out the door and guys who are just getting started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and the just getting started thing is really important for this program because look at Eli Brooks, who didn't play a lot in that 2018 run when he was a freshman, but it really, you know, and he played in I think three or four of those games, you know, kind of towards the end, four minutes. I think he had six minutes maybe in the national title game, but now you're looking at a guy who's never not made the sweet 16. Part of the reason why he came back is to, you know, make another run, you know, fans in the crowd, things like that, and a a normal season again for once. And here he is leading a group of young players. You know, half the roster is newcomers. Seven out of the 14 scholarship guys were not on the team last year. Now they're getting that taste of it because of another fantastic Eli Brooks performance in the round of 32. He had 21 against LSU last year, 23 on Saturday night against Tennessee. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. And, and when we when talk about keys to this game, I think it's going to be tough, too. I do have Villanova uh, winning this game by four points. Um, I could see Villanova winning by more than that, though. You know, based on the way they play, Michigan's going to have to really focus on the details, take care of the ball. There's going to be open shots. Villanova allows a lot of three-point attempts because they're going to have to double-team the post. And uh, against Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate, nobody on their roster uh, in the rotation over six foot eight. So there's opportunity there. But I think you trust Villanova's shot making a little bit better than Michigan's. But it's going to be guys like Caleb Houston. Uh, that that you're going to have to step up. Devontae Jones, everybody's counting him out, and there's people saying, oh, they, they're better with Frankie anyway. Well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And Devontae, you know, I think he's going to get some open three-point shots too, and I think he can knock them down and, and remind some people, uh, you know, why he was such a big piece of this team, especially in the second half of the season. But what are you guys looking at in terms of, you know, the keys to coming out with this one? I think he's a
1: better matchup against these guards than he yeah. was – Tennessee, for example, those guys got cards with quickness. We saw it. Uh, North Carolina gave him fits earlier in the year. Um, I think Tennessee would have continued to give him fits uh, if he had stayed in that game. So I think this is a better matchup for him. You're right about the three ball. Uh, The one thing that Michigan has to do defensively, guys, that they haven't done well is stay on their feet defensively against a team that is going to ball fake you to death and try to get you in foul trouble. That's my big concern here is that Musa Diabate is going to leave his feet, you know, four times and pick up three fouls or something like that, get in early foul trouble. Uh, This could be a game where we see Brandon Johns, and I know a lot of people have been critical of him. He did, guys, provide some big minutes in last year's NCAA tournament, and he's capable. It's all here. It really is. He's, he's got the physical skills, and I understand people saying, well, if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen. But he's shown it before, so he's got that ability, and it's one game. He doesn't have to do it for 10 games in a row. He's got to do it for one game. And I hope the best for him because he's a great guy and a great kid. And, and, uh, you know, he's got the ability. So, uh, you know, the same, same thing with the guards, Frankie Collins, if he's in there, can't leave your feet, uh, Devonte Jones, can't leave your feet. That needs to be a point of emphasis. I would have put, you know, 50 pound ankle weights on these guys when they were defending in practice and just say, don't leave your feet, make them make the tough shots over you. Uh, and you'll be okay. So, um, but Caleb Houston, I'm waiting for him to break out. I wrote a column before last week's game and he, and he didn't score a point you know and i thought okay this is this a game where an outlier liar you know maybe i just uh, you know, maybe it's the uh, the wolverine.com cover jinx or something like that yeah. but uh, but he's capable too and everybody's like oh he's never he hasn't done anything all year okay two things he shot 47% in Chrysler Arena 46 and a half or whatever it was, right? And uh, so he can make shots. This is not Chrysler, but he went, I think, five for seven at Iowa. He's had some games. We know the kid can shoot. And, again, a lot of it's up here, uh, trusting yourself and having that confidence. And when he makes one or two, then he has that confidence. So I would love to see that from him. Uh, and, of course, again, the last time I wished that upon somebody was Duncan Robinson before the Villanova National Championship game. I said, this kid needs to be the difference. And uh, he got in really foul trouble and didn't contribute. So here's hoping, though, because I think he can be an X factor in a game like this. I would love to see it. Uh, I think Villanova is extremely disciplined on defense. You've got to, you know, they're going to work the shot clock guys. It's going to be one of those, uh, you know, where you're just sitting there and and waiting for them to do something. And then they're going to take advantage of an opportunity at the end of the shot clock. But uh, this is a winnable game. And I'd I'd love to see them in the elite eight once again. And uh, either way, we're going to enjoy it down here, fellas.
0: Real quick. I, I think this could also be a Terrence Williams game too. In addition to Brandon Johns, we saw what that lineup did with him at the four Uh, last game down the stretch he comes in when they're down six they end up outscoring them by you know whatever it was they end up winning by eight points there in the last seven minutes Terrence Williams looking up this stat today in wins Terrence Williams is shooting over 52 percent from three in losses 6.7 percent which is just insane uh so he affects winning and going back to Caleb Houston the stat on him Michigan 10 and 1 when he scores 13 or more so he's obviously a huge key to victory and you mentioned them spreading the floor as well i think terrence could help with that when he's in uh hunter dickinson he's just got to do enough man and just get a hand get that long arm out there on some of these guys because they run a lot of pick and pop jermaine samuels for them is kind of that pick and pop guy at like six foot seven and hunter is going to have to guard that it's a huge challenge but i would take my chances if i'm michigan run the other guys off the line like colin gillespie who almost makes three threes a game, which is top 20 in the country, take my chances with some of those bigger guys shooting them with maybe a little more space than letting the the other guys. We saw Michigan do a decent job for most of that game against Tennessee, running some of those guards off the line like uh, Vescovi. So it's going to be key. And, and, hey, you just need to get some misses too. I know Villanova, like who says they're going to be perfect either? So you got to just get a couple missed shots, take your chances, and I think Michigan will be right in it.
2: AB. I'm with all that. And the one thing I'll say about Caleb is that, you know, every time throughout the year where people said, Oh, this guy's giving you nothing. You need to get him out of the starting lineup. Water has typically found its level pretty violently with him. And then he comes out and scores 16, 17, 20 points in a game. And, um, you know, I can't say that would be an outlier because we've seen him do it this year. But um, if that guy shows up in any of these games uh, that they play in this weekend, they got to get this one first, but that guy shows up on Thursday night. Michigan's going to be very tough to beat, and because I think that'll be good news for Hunter Dickinson as well. So, yeah, AB, by the way, you're awfully happy with that tail wagon in the back
1: there. So, yeah, I
0: the love day. this time of the year. It's a wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's classic.
0: He's got a great uh, yeah, dog. Actually, yeah, got to does, meet him the other day, Harley. And,
1: right. and got just got her groomed. So that's right. Um, that's right. right. Yeah, and I got to say, um, yeah, I think I called Colin Gillespie, Gillespie, Billy Gillespie in an article. Really sorry about that. And you don't want to make that mistake. But, man, that just goes to show you how how many of these I've covered, you know, and it's just like and how long you've been covering college basketball. And it's like, come on, man. Uh, I'd rather have Billy Gillespie out there. But I think that's an interesting subplot, too, that Eli Brooks. You know, turns down Villanova and in talking to his parents, uh, his mother said she was surprised he didn't go there. He went to Ann Arbor and he found out that they uh, loved the campus in Ann Arbor. And then uh, so as a consolation prize, uh, Villanova gets Colin Gillespie. And those guys have played together uh, against each other a lot. So they are very familiar with each other. Two uh, Pennsylvania kids. Yeah. And, uh, and I love it. I love that subplot. And I, I really have a lot of respect for that Villanova program. And then talking to guys like John Beeline, he does too, obviously. And when you talk about culture, uh, the culture that John Beeline built and that Juwan Howard has continued uh, is very similar to that, you know, and a lot of it is you know, doing the right thing uh, on and off the court. And uh, and that's, you know, you see recruiting great kids. Phil Martelli, Michigan's associate head coach, has said it so many times, guys, what a great group of kids this is. He was almost a little worried that they were too quiet at times, the freshman class, and is there going to be one of those ballers in there, one of those guys with swag. But you can see it when Caleb Houston hits a couple shots, and you can see it with Frankie Collins. So they've got some guys there, and I see Anthony's happy again and ready to, to chime in here.
0: That's right.
2: <laughs> I got nothing there. Uh, <laughs> no. Dog was freshly bathed. That might be a good time to sneak in uh, the ad read here from our sponsor. Yeah.
0: Hey, yeah. It's a decent pivot, even though it's, it's for human beings. But March Madness is here. <laughs> Not everyone can have a perfect bracket, but you can have the perfect set of balls this tournament season with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped, our favorite. The leaders in Below the Waist Grooming, have just launched their ultra premium collection to give you the total championship hygiene routine. After sweating out the games, make sure you lather up and he- you lather up head to toe with this all-in-one skin and hair kit to have your body and balls smelling Final Four fresh. Join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to Manscaped.com. Use the promo code Twenty Go Blue for twenty percent off and free shipping. That's two zero G O B L U E for 20% off and free shipping. This is a Cinderella story. You're not going to want to miss. They just sent us another package. Um, man, as the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the, the upset with manscaped ultra premium collection to keep everything under control. It's, I mean, it's as reliable as, you know, some of the most reliable guys out there, like a, like an Eli Brooks or uh, you know, Jay Wright coaching in the tournament. Uh, so get your manscaped, um, Billy Gillespie from the free throw line. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Colin. (laughs) He is one of the.
1: Who's to say you can't use the lawnmower 4.0 on your dog if you don't want to?
0: It's true. I'm not going there. No, we're done. All
1: right. Let's talk a little football, fellas.
0: Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, Anthony and I were um, at the press conferences this week. Chris, obviously, you always have your ear to the ground and then, uh, you know, including when you're in San Antonio there, but we got to talk to a lot of defensive guys this week. And I know last week was Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore. We got to talk to Jesse Minter uh, and Steve Klinkscale, who, first of all, I'll just say this about Minter. So everybody, you know, every player that was asked, they're saying, oh, he's just like Mike McDonald. His scheme's the same. He's very similar too. And I'm like, how can this guy be like the same as Mike McDonald? And then he gets up there and the way he's talking, I was like, this is, this might as well be Mike McDonald. And then Clink, this is my line about Clink is if Steve Clinkscale doesn't know what he's talking about, nobody does. Uh so it was some great stuff, but they're going to give it to you honest, especially Clink who who said he's challenged some guys this spring. This is his first spring here as well. Remember he got hired last summer after Mo Linguist um left. So uh they're they're getting after some of these guys, but you see some leaders stepping up, Mozzie Smith, Mike Morris, everybody has said he's become A really vocal leader jamon green as well apparently has taken a huge step in the leadership role uh, on the defensive side which is huge you can start to kind of feel this thing to come together and it's crazy that it's only 10 days until or nine days until the spring game but um throw it to you chris just anything you've been thinking about reading about hearing about uh you know this week on spring yeah I'm, i'm gonna
1: be sad to miss the spring game while i cover the final four that's number right. One, that's what the first right. comes to mind, um, covering Michigan in the Final Four. But number two, uh, yeah, listening to that, you know, Minter, I thought, you yeah. know, the whole time when, when they were looking for a defensive coordinator, I said, this guy, everybody's talking about Larry Foote, and I said, you know, that's that doesn't make any sense, and people can be mad about it, but, but what makes the most sense is continuity. And Minter and McDonald worked together. They know the defense. They talk about defense together. They're friends. I thought that would be the perfect the perfect fit Uh, at the right time. And and I think that's going to prove to be the case because you don't want to be installing a new defense here and doing that every year. Uh, No, you can use the same terminology Uh, as somebody once said, I don't know if it was Jim Harbaugh or somebody. They said it, it makes a lot more sense to teach one guy new terminology than, you know, the, the 22 or 44 or whoever many are going to play on defense, all these guys and the new coaches and everything else too. So, and Minter was pretty familiar with it. So there might be a few changes here and there fellows, but I think it's, I think it was a great hire. Number two, uh, I think there are going to be more playmakers than people expect. I think Mike Morris, Anthony, I, and I both, I think, agreed in our chat that Mike Morris might come across as the, the most improved guy uh, on the team this spring, one of them. They call him a freak. You look at his body. I remember somebody telling me last year he, he passes the low test getting off the bus. Like Chase uh, Young. yeah, Exactly, and maybe not as ripped, but you can you, you can see what they were talking about, right? This guy is huge, and, uh, and the way he plays – Love the way he plays. I love the swagger. I love Junior Colson and what they plan on doing with him. From what we've heard, they're going to be probably uh, bringing him from some different areas at times. You know, not uh, obviously a different position than Dax Hill, but he's one of those guys who has the athleticism where you can do a number of different things with him, AB and Clay. And I just, uh, I like that. So, and I think on the back end, they're stronger than they thought they were going to be because of guys like Mike St. still stepping up. Javon Green's played a lot of football here. Will Johnson's going to be a star here. I tweeted that. I stand by that. Uh, Everything we've heard, this kid's a freak athlete. And uh, he's going to make an impact from from day one. So that's what excites me. I think the offense is going to be great. Uh, Cade McNamara is going to be the number one guy coming out of spring. J.J. McCarthy not throwing and I think he will get the first snaps. We'll talk about that more uh, in our inside the fort tomorrow. But uh, I love the leadership on this team. It seems like they got the culture back guys that they lost in 2020. And that should be exciting to Michigan fans.
2: Yeah, I mean, everything that we've heard so far is that Mike Sanew still has kind of been a revelation there. Uh playing the nickel and, and dime spot for them in that defense. Um that's 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 huge news because you're super young there and super inexperienced. So for that guy, and he's still learning. Like it's not a plug and play, okay, all of a sudden this guy's your replacement for Dax Hill at the nickel. Uh he's still learning and still figuring stuff out. But you know, spring football is when you get those those fundamental work in and you you work out the finer details and then uh, you know in fall camp that's where you say all right go unleash it's it's time to get ready for the season so i like what we've heard there i think uh, we like I said we talked to clink scale and mentor this week uh clink scale was was the guy kind of tackled and in, in, in doing the writing stuff from it they're they're super excited about what they have i think you're gonna see those guys we've talked about this before how do you replace or how do you offset i should say? Uh, losing the 25 sacks that you do from your defense. Well, your defensive backs have to hold up a little more in coverage and you have to be a little more exotic and, and, and different in the looks that you bring. And it, it seems like they're a little more open to bring in blitzes uh, from the second and third levels. Uh, defensive backs have been blitzing way more in spring football. Um, You know, good things to say about Will Johnson, good things to say about DJ Turner, who sounds like he got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then has picked it up as of late and is, you know, the unquestioned kind of number one there. Um, Jamon Green, a guy who was benched last year, is having a good spring. So, you know, really, when we come into this and this goes back to something I said a couple podcasts ago, like when you really sit back and think about it, do we have more questions about this year's defense than we did heading into last year? And quite frankly, I think the answer is no. I think uh, I'm a little more sure about this group that they will figure it out. Uh, the sacks, again, yeah, it, hot take. Yeah, you're probably not going to have two first rounders uh, <laughs> rushing after this year. But um, everything else, I think, is is going to is coming along well. They probably need to go uh, to the portal for some depth at at least one of those position groups. I would lean linebacker right now on defense, but other than that, things are uh, things are progressing well, and I think a lot of people are very excited about the work that's being done in spring football.
0: Yeah. Chris, Cam Good is a guy who's going to visit coming up here. Uh, UCF defensive tackle transfer kid that forced, what, four fumbles last year? Um, yeah. And yeah, had like be. seven and a half tackles for loss two years ago in, t- in 10 games. So kid can play. Uh, also visiting Syracuse as well. Yeah, and
1: they like him, uh, and they wouldn't, wouldn't be, be looking at him if they didn't. And, uh, and I think they're going to get him, frankly, and I think he'll be the guy in the middle. So they've been looking at a few guys uh, also on, on the edge. So we'll see if that materializes as well. But uh, Cam Good, is he's got quick feet if you watch his high school film. Man, uh, you know, he's got that get off like uh, he's not Mohurst, but he's got the Mohurst type get off the feet. The first move, you know, right. Boom. The ball snapped and you're getting around a guy. Uh, and and I like that about him. So he's 315 pounds, not very tall, but uh, they've got to generate some pass rush.
0: May have may have lost him. He's frozen for you, too. Right, Anthony? Yeah, I see it. <laughs> <laughs> they got to generate some pass rush. I'm with him. I don't know if he can can just stop the show right there. Pass rush done. That's right. came good. Pretty good. I wanted to add that in as well. (laughs) Um, well,
2: since Chris is, I mean, Chris is frozen here. Uh, we still have our show to do slash wrap up. I mean, where, where do you want to take this next? I know you were, um, you were kind of more on the mentor end of things, Clayton. So what were your takeaways from some of the things that he discussed?
0: Well, I, I was kind of gonna piggy piggyback off of what you were saying with how they're building the defense, yeah it's year two, and he actually used that terminology as well It's year two of the defensive system, but last year they built it around the edge guys in terms of you know the blitzes they brought and maybe not blitzing as much as maybe they will this year uh and you know even when you look at like what coverages they were in, and now they're gonna to have to adjust that with. Uh, you know what they have as Chris is now officially gone, but we appreciate him from joining up obviously from San Antonio and uh, we'll have a ton of coverage from the game tonight. Um, But yeah, just, just the fact that the spring game, I think is going to tell us a decent amount about, yeah, it's going to be similar, but we're going to notice some things I think as well. And I know they're not going to show a lot, especially with when you talk about blitzes and some of the exotic stuff they're going to do, but we're going to see a little bit more of how, you know, everyone is so worried about the edge guys leaving, but you don't always build a defense around edge guys. I think it's one of the better ways in college because you want to be able to rush the passer with four. So you can sit back, especially with the way the game is evolving with a lot of pass heavy stuff, but you can do it in other ways as well. Secondary, as you mentioned being better than they expected, I think is going to be a big way to do that. But, uh, anything else from you? No, I
2: mean, like I said, I would agree with all that. Um, ideally getting to like, they're going to have to get to the quarterback and you have to, you know, generate quarterback pressures because I think regardless of whether it was Don Brown, Mike McDonald, this defense and the way that this roster is built, like if they don't get there, that's, I mean, that's, that's a problem for any team. that doesn't get to the quarterback, especially when you have, um, you know, I know the big 10 isn't exactly known for being pass happy, but we all know what the final exam is at the end of the year. Right. So everything's about, giving yourselves a shot to, you know, we do prepare for that game the last Saturday in November. And, uh, you know, and Klingscale scale talked about that too, where he, he basically said like, we know, yeah, we beat them last year, but you know, we did a good job keeping those guys in front of us, but we still gave up a ton of passing yards. So, um, I think for them, the focus is, you know, now that they're in year two of this defense guys are comfortable with the system. You can just go out and make plays because it's, it's muscle memory. Um, I think you'll probably see them flash more of that um, in the spring game and early on in the season. So that's that's where I see things at with the defense and really just spring football in general, since we really only talked to the defensive coaches this week.
0: Yeah, I, I love when Klink was talking about that. He's he's never satisfied about anything. As you said, he kind of got on D.J. Turner. He quote-unquote addressed he addressed it, how he thought maybe D.J. was getting a little bit complacent in the first few practices um he wants more takeaways he said that like every time we get him and someone says what are you working on the most he's like I want more takeaways I want more takeaways he looks for it heavily in the recruiting process which I love as well because he said we're asking these guys to do a million different things they have to think more than they've ever thought on a football field before but we still want them to have that instinct to go and get the ball so I love to hear that um and yeah interesting about how he's already thinking about Ohio State we let up too many yards When in reality, I loved what they did in that game, especially tightening up with uh, two or three red zone stops. But, uh, you know, he doesn't even want them to get down there. And I think that's a good attitude to have improve off of what you did, not only throughout the season, but against Ohio State, too. And it will give you a better shot in every game, including that last one down in Columbus. Um, But, yeah, lots going on here at TheWolverine.com with basketball in the Sweet 16. Spring football ramping up ahead of the spring game on April 2nd, only next weekend. And as Chris said, hopefully we are uh, covering both the Final Four and the spring game that day. Uh, I would love to be jam-packed uh, full of stuff on that day, of course. Uh, thank you to Manscaped, our sponsor. Once again, the promo code is 20GOBLUE, 2-0-G-O-B-L-U-E for 20% off and free shipping. And enjoy the game tonight, everybody.